Good morning, everyone. I'm Mark, and uh, we are beginning Pathways, a, uh, just about a year uh, in the making. This is a time where uh, really uh, hundreds of people in our community uh, put a lot of time and effort and, uh, and money and, and a whole bunch of stuff in order to create paths uh, and, and remove obstacles from uh, us relentlessly pursuing who Jesus is and what he wants for our lives. Uh, when we came up with uh, this year's focus, uh, Pathways Personified, I got really excited about it. I just, I, I love the idea of personified. The idea that uh, it takes a, a person to personify an idea or a concept. And I, I think uh, this is a powerful word and a powerful concept that uh, is really threaded throughout Scripture. That, that Jesus personified God and we as Christ followers uh, personify Christ. And, and we as followers, we even have words like uh, we are, uh, as the church, we are the body of Christ. We are the physical manifestation of, of the person of Christ and the ideas and teachings of Christ. And taking that up uh, a notch, the reality is that every generation who makes up the body of Christ has been entrusted with the monumental responsibility of this personification. That, that this is the time and this is the place where we are handed the baton of Christ and his ideals and his teachings, and we move it closer to the resolution of time. That this idea that, that you know what, we can't do anything with what the generation did before us. And really, we, have, we can't do anything except prepare the next generation on how they carry forward. But as for right now, in this time, in this place, we are called to be the personification of Christ. And over the next 40 days, we're really going to be unpacking what that looks like what it means to personify Christ and his teachings. Beginning next week, we're going to be looking at, at five different kind of focused personifications of Christ and God uh, that we discussed. And those five are invitation, training, service, generosity, and commitment. And these are the holy ideas, these are the holy concepts that we've been called to uh, personify. But today we're actually going to be uh, just marinating in the idea of, you know, what does it really mean to personify? So we're going to be looking at Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. You may want to open up your Bible to there, uh, otherwise it's in your fridge fold or on your fridge fold. And he starts out in verse 11 saying this, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, 
We work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere. And I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having spectacular ministries rather than having a sincere heart. Now, I know with our 21st century sensibilities, every time we hear the word fearful, that, that there's kind of a, a disconnect. Maybe if you're like me, uh, when I think about fear uh, or, or things like that, I think about like slasher movies and stuff. I, I don't think about, I don't connect it with God. You know, God's love and God's holy. And, uh, but, it, you know, none of us want to be fearful. But I don't think that, that really, you know, this is not the fearful in the sense like, ah, Jason's after me or something like that, right? Uh, this is more the understanding of, of understanding the magnitude the magnitude of, of our responsibility. Understanding that it is our generation, it is our time in the story of God to be the personification of Christ. And that's a, that's a heavy and scary thing. But I love how he kind of puts it into perspective. That that. You know, we haven't been called to have a spectacular ministry that's the envy of the world. No, we've been called to have sincere hearts. Sincere hearts that, that want to go out and personify the love of God in this lost and hurting world. I was thinking about all the things that we do as the church. There's really only one thing that we can't do once we're in eternity, once we're in the unbuffered presence of God. And that one thing, the only holy thing that we can't do when we are in heaven is tell others about God because they'll already be there. Be like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? You mean him? You know, yeah. You know, that, that this idea that, you know what, we'll worship and we'll fellowship and all of these things in, in heaven and, and there will be this reconciliation and, and holiness. But the time of us being ambassadors, the time of us being a personification in a, in a dark world will be over. In verse 13, Paul goes, uh, continues on with one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. He writes, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring God, glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. I love that. I love the idea of like, if you think I'm a whack job, that's for glory of God. But, but if I seem perfectly sane and reasonable to you, that's, that's for your benefit. It's not really how things are. But, but in verse 14, I love this next Either way, insane, sane, it really doesn't matter. Because you know what? It's Christ's love that controls us. Not controls us like a puppet, but, but overwhelms us like a wave. Overwhelms us to, to uh, overflow of our abundance to this lost and hurting world. 
And then he goes on and he talks about really what this overflow looks like. He says, since we believe that Christ died for all, Christ died for all, we also believe that we all died to our old life. So this idea, Christ died for everyone, and that we have accepted his sacrifice, that, that we have died to our old self. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for him. And I was, I was thinking about this, this whole like this section of, of scripture, you know, this idea of crazy and everything. And you know, you know that, that song that's out there, they play it like every other song. It's like, hey, I just met you and this is crazy. You know that one? Right, yeah. I mean, if you have a radio, it's a new invention. You might want to check it out. Uh, uh, you've heard that song. So I was thinking in the, in the spirit of that annoying song, I kind of uh, uh, wrote a new line, the gospel line. Hey, I just met you, and this is crazy. But Christ is life who died for you. Not maybe, right? You know, okay. Totally stupid, but, you know, you get the, you get the idea, you know. My wife's going like, you are an idiot. So, uh, but I'm a lovable idiot. So, uh, verse 16, he continues on. And, I, and, and this is where it really starts to uh, uh, really start to unfold the idea of personification and really taking on the characteristics of Christ. So, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I was really kind of just marinating and, and uh, contemplating this idea of a human view, like how do you evaluate somebody from a human view? And this is what I came up with. This is a human view. If we're just in our carnal nature, we're not elevated and tapping into Christ at all, really a human view is based on a benefit equals value equation. It basically, we look at this and say, you know what, Audrey, if, if you make me feel good about myself, then you know what, that's a benefit to me, so you have value to me. But if you can't bring any value to my life, then you have, or benefit to my life, then you have no value in my human eyes. And he continues on, he says, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think we actually all started there. We looked at Christ and said, okay, Christ, how can you benefit me? Okay, you can take away my sins so I'm not eternally separated from God. That's a pretty good benefit. So Christ, you have value to me. But here we have a, a, a kind of a nuance that says, you know what, but now things are different. How differently we know Christ now. 
That, that this old life, this old way of, of looking at people from, from merely a benefit equals value kind of equation, that that has gone away. And now those of us who, who are mature in Christ, we have a new equation. And I believe as we become more mature that, and more controlled by Christ or more filled up by His love, this kind of more holy equation becomes present. And we're able to look at people through Christ's eyes. So what is, what is that? Well, that really means that, you know what? People matter to God. People have value because they're His creation so they have value to me. And value equals action. And I kind of like, I was thinking, about, and this is one of the key indicators of, of maturity in Christ is being able to see others through Christ's eyes. And Paul continues to unpack this kind of this idea of value equals action in verse 18. He says, and all of this, value equals action, being able to see people with God's eyes, is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And then this next statement is where it really becomes real. It's where it becomes extremely tangible of what we do in our daily life as we personify Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. I mean, that's our calling as the body of Christ, as the personification of Christ, that, that what Christ did and why Christ came was to reconcile people to God. And our call as the church, as the body of Christ, as the personification of Christ in this world is to reconcile people or at least promote that, that message of reconciliation to those who are hopeless. Verse 19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So Christ was personifying God, bringing this rec reconciliation to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And now the verse that all of Pathways Personified is, is based on. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. We personify Christ when we plead, come back to God. I used to always think that that was a verse for uh, kind of wayward Christians, prodigals, have you? But it's not. It's for everyone. Remember he says up uh, uh, earlier, he says, Christ died for all. This message, come back to God, is for everyone, not just wayward Christians. You see, all of us are God's creation, and all of us have turned from God. And this message of reconciliation is for the whole world. I think about ambassadors and especially what's been happening in the news this week about the ambassador being killed uh, in, in Libya and how, how tragic and horrible that is. And, and really, 
the role of ambassador, you know, he, he was killed not because of his personality. He didn't make anybody mad. He didn't, and it was nothing personal that he did. He was, he was murdered because he was the embodiment. He personified an idea of a concept, and that's freedom or the United States. And we need to remember that as we are ambassadors of Christ, that, that our job is to personify that idea. And some people are going to accept that idea, and some people are going to persecute us for that idea. But regardless, or either way, as Paul would put it, that it is our job to personify that love and, and promote that message of reconciliation. And what I hope for us as the church, as people of Christ, as the, as the body of Christ, that we will be able to run our race well and in someday when we stand in front of our Creator here, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, let me tell you something about racing. I like to race. Um, in fact, I was at a bike race uh, yesterday. Uh, and what happens is in, in a race, you get at the end and, uh, and your mind starts going like, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, I, I, I should have, you know, pedaled harder or I should have made this move at this time and, and, and all of these things. And, uh, you know, yesterday I actually, I got to the, I got to the end of the race and one of the first times ever, uh, you know, I said, you know what? I don't think I could have raced any better with, you know, the God-given talents that, that I was, uh, was given. I, I, I look back and, and I was like, I couldn't, have, I couldn't have pushed any harder. You know, I already felt like I was going to pass out at the end. You know, I, 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 I don't think I could have, I, you know, in my knowledge base right now, I don't think I could ride any, any smarter. And, and, I, and I got, you know, to the end, and I, I mean, I was solid in the mid-pack, you know. Uh, I didn't win. I, I wasn't dead last. In fact, my, my wife calls me, and I told her, and she's like, my sweet mid-packer. I mean, that's basically, you know, I, I like, you know, people are like, you racing this weekend? I'm like, I'm participating, you know. Uh, you know, the, the, this idea, but when I participate, I do it with, with everything that I can. And not leaving anything left where I have like, oh, I could have done better if I did this. And this is the idea as we run the race, as we personify Christ to one day be able to stand in front of our creator and not say, you know what, I should have talked to that person. I should have invited that person out for coffee or I, I should have, I should have partici participated more in this or, or, or whatever and have all of these regrets. Instead, getting to the end of our race and, and be able to confidently be go before God and say, God, you know what? I didn't have a spectacular ministry. I didn't have a new translation of the Bible or, or, or whatever. But you know what? I did everything I could with what you entrusted me with. And I left it out, all out on the playing field and there was nothing left. Is that kind of how you want to finish your time? When we hand the baton off to the next generation to be able to say, you know what? 
we ran as hard as we could. We ran as smart as we could to prepare you to be able to run the race in. That is why we're fearful. Not because we're scared of God, but because we understand the magnitude of what we've been called to do. Let me finish up with this, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And I think there's a, a distinction that I think uh, just in this whole series that I'd like you to keep in mind. And that, that is this. True faith is not revealed by the protection of truth, but by a life of truth personified. Truth doesn't need your protection. True faith is not personified by putting walls around the gospel. True faith is personified through us living a life of reconciliation, us living a life of overflow and abundance and of invitation and of training and of service and of generosity and of commitment. And it is my prayer, and I know it is the prayer of this community as we go on this journey that we will move beyond trying to protect the truth and take a step out and take a step forward and be the personification of truth to this desperate, lost, and hopeless world. You guys pray with me? Dear God, I just thank you for this time of beginnings. Lord, I just pray that we run the race and we run it well, that we put all our energy in it, that we will open up our hearts and minds to what you would have for us over the next 40 days, that this will be a time of transformation in every aspect of our life. God, we just pray that we'll be able to invite other people along in the journey and that we will be about our ministry of reconciliation. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.